0: Like I just remember thinking and seeing the standard across the track or, or down the track or, or right in front of me every single day in terms of, you know, what success looks like from a coaching, uh, from an administrative standpoint, from an athletic development standpoint, uh, more so from a, a, cultural and a cultural and an accountability standpoint, you know, what it takes to be successful. Speed River and the
1: Griffins have long been known for developing those in the mid-distance and up, building most of their legacy off those events and being dubbed a distance school in the process. Anyone who's been paying attention to university sports in Canada recently though, has probably noticed that there's a real change happening. The Griffins are still doing great, better even in fact, as they've been consistently getting an incredible amount of points in the sprint events, with the red, black and gold taking key podium spots in events like the 60, the 60 hurdles, and the sprint relays. This week, we're going to take a look at a sprint program, its driving culture, and the persistence and passion of a young coach with a vision. Hello, and welcome to Something in the Water, a look at the University of Guelph and Speed River track and field teams available through SidiousMag.com. It was four full seasons ago that the University of Guelph brought in Jason Kerr a young coach with the aim of growing and improving the sprint program. Now, if you take a look at the U-Sport results from last year, that move has definitely paid off, with Griffins taking five podium spots in the individual sprint events at last year's Indoors, and some relay medals to add to that total as well. On this week's show, we'll have a feature chat with Jason about building a culture, inclusiveness, and the adversity that comes along with being a young professional in a high-pressure vocation. We'll also have some input from team captain Sarah Hammond, national-level athlete and collegiate hurdles champion Greg McNeil, Kyle Thompson, another collegiate champion, and -and up-and-comer Ashlyn Best. That's on the way, but first, Jason Kerr, the associate coach of the University of Guelph track and field team and the man in charge of sprints, is a ball of energy. You can tell he's always thinking a couple steps ahead, and yet he brings a high level of passion to his job, and you can tell he has a real connection with his athletes. We sat down for a very candid chat about half a year ago, and we started by talking about how he fit into the existing culture of the program, especially one with displayed excellence in the distances.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we've done just enough now to at least, you know, marked a little bit, uh, made a bit of a mark. Um, But yeah, I I showed up here, I guess. uh, What is it? I've completed four full years, both kind of indoor and outdoor. Uh, and when I got here, I, I guess certainly from a top down, when you think elite down to collegiate, down to developmental, it was very much of uh, Canada's foremost established endurance community. Uh, and I don't remember feeling intimidated at all by walking in and and, and having that kind of uh, already established. Uh, like I just remember thinking and seeing the standard across the track or, or down the track or, or right in front of me every single day in terms of you know, what success looks like from a coaching, uh, from an administrative standpoint, from an athletic development standpoint, uh, more so from a a cultural and and an accountability standpoint, you know, what it takes to be successful. I think it was very, very valuable for me to come in and immediately see what that looks like in its full final form, uh, because obviously my aspirations were to build that uh, in my own sense with, a different event group, in in many senses, a different uh, sporting environment, different types of athletes and and, and whatnot. But uh, I think it was a huge asset to have that. You know, and now I would also say, you know, I om- clinically burnt myself out for the first year, particularly, you know, trying to walk in and, and make magic happen and make a lot of things happen immediately. And you know, I so said that's kind of my one of my you know big uh, professional and and life-altering stories is that you know, I tried to go so hard, so fast, and, and push so for, you know, so much right away that, you know, I almost drove myself right out of the profession. And, you know, it's a gift and a curse. It's what allows me to be, I think, you know, driven every morning, but it also can get me into trouble. And I think by getting into that environment, you know, I, I thought, you know, this is the standard. And, you know, I forgot initially, you know, about, you know, same as many athletes that we coach, I forgot about the process that it was going to take. And, It's pretty cool four years later, however long it's been to look back and say, hey, I survived that first year. And, and, you know, look, now we're starting to, you know, build something very similar to what, you know, Dave and company built many years ago. So how do you get back from that burnout? Yeah, I mean, I never stopped loving the sport or stopped loving coaching. Um, To me, it's, you know, even now, like I, I don't wake up driven by the vocational element, the job, the... The the money the, the the anything to do that I wake up the same way I did when I was coaching for like two hundred bucks a year and I think that's one of the coolest things that I that I'm one of the very few people I think that can wake up and pace around in my kitchen and you know not even be able to focus to make breakfast because I have so many ideas and thoughts uh, about how to make something better or coach someone better or or create something better and that's my job and I I, I think. You know, that should be any person's dream. You know, as much as, again, I I can get a little bit obsessive-compulsive with it, you know, it's pretty cool that I get to do something like that for a full-time job. Um, So it's not that I ever lost uh, passion for it. I think I just burnt myself out. And I think many, many young professionals deal with this. And coaching is something that I think uh it can breed that type of behavior because there's just so much going on you're carrying the weight of so many different people and in the case of me I was I was trying to create something in a new environment I didn't come in and automatically have the respect of all these people that you know I was a I used a young kid I mean really a young kid trying to establish you know uh, trust and communication with a lot of people that you know didn't really have any reason to trust or communicate effectively effectively with me right away so you know, I, I was building and, you know, I, that that's kind of how it happened. But uh, yeah, I never lost the passion, man. I just, I just needed to, you know, kind of figure out how to be a little more uh, healthy with, you know, my application of my, my time and energy and, in what I do. But I also say this too, I mean, the guy that hired me and the guy that runs the, the program that we're talking about in terms of the, you know, the well-established endurance population. I mean, I was not, I was not great my first year here. Like I, I was, as I said, I was burnt out. I, I'm not sure I was good at anything. I was a young kid trying to make a go of it. And I had every ounce of passion you could ever want in an employee, but I, I was unrefined. I, I didn't really have the skill set in a lot of the different things that I found out later are, are critical to the development of you know, coaching, but also leadership. And you know, Dave. Honestly, he had my back from day one, and in hindsight, he had my back probably when he when he couldn't help but think that, you know, this is a pretty unrefined, emotional, passionate kid that's just trying to figure out, you know, how to how to get this. And maybe empathy of having gone that through through that himself allowed him to, you know, be patient with me. But you know, I, could could you think of a better mentorship environment than I, than what I had? I had, you know, again, one of Canada's best coaches. But I think more than that, I think I had Canada's best sports leader on management, administrative side, social side, cultural side. That was the guy that I stepped in and and, and nervously tried to live up to, right? And, you know, again, it caused me some issues trying to chase that golden nugget. But at the same time, an incredible asset and and a guy that had my back in everything. And for me, uh, that was a defining moment in my career. I think it's why I'm able to be confident in what I'm doing now is because I went through those tribulations with a guy that, you know, knew how to kind of walk me through the, the fire. Innovation is a huge part of this program. As we discussed last episode,
1: there are researchers on board to keep an eye on things. This program also uses a 1080 sprint in some of their practices, a piece of machinery that gives an incredible amount of feedback in numbers. So what does Jason think of all these things?
0: Yeah, I, I would... I would probably avoid a lot of the discussion on technology. I know it's exciting and a lot of people look to it in terms of like, what are they doing that's new or what are you doing that's different or that's exciting? Uh, I'm a really, really, really firm believer in uh, doing really basic tasks every day and finding an incredible enjoyment in doing them. So do we have technology that other people don't have? Yeah, we do. And we're very fortunate to be integrated at a university campus where we can bring in a lot of you know, different resources, you know, academically and whatnot, you know, the big one that people see in social media is, you know, we've, we were one of the first people, I think we were the first group in North America that was using, uh, at a, in, in a track and field setting, the 1080 sprint and, and whatnot through, you know, we had that initially before, you know, now it's starting to be seen, but, but again, I, I get questions about that, but that's not, I don't think that's why we've been able to build what we have. Uh, the I think the, the the bigger thing is there's a shared enthusiasm and a shared passion for the pursuit of excellence in, in what we do and uh, and it's it's not necessarily what we're doing or what technology we're using or or what our training it looks like. I, I don't think anything in that is overly exciting in isolation. I think the the thing that we do really really well here or certainly I've tried to drive you know since I've been here with the athletes that I work with in the different, um, people that I that I get to uh, interact with is we don't I I don't coach two people or I don't talk to people I, I really look at the coach athlete relationship and that in that environment as a as a a kind of a a shared um, coaching with or working with people I don't like to tell people what to do I like to tell people you know why I want them to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just a really big believer in that and I'm not the first person to say it and I know it's not rocket science or it's not special but you know if you can get young people or, or anybody to really really own in on you know why they're doing something and be really really passionate uh, and, and share enthusiasm with them and why they're doing it it actually in my opinion it doesn't really matter that much what you're doing mm-hmm. like uh, you know the the biggest question I think a coach has to answer is, you know, how they can turn a relatively lifeless training program into like a catalyst for transforming young people, uh, or not even young people, but that's kind of the demographic that, that I work with in mostly collegiate, uh, high school to, to a little bit past collegiate age athletes. It's like, how can, how can one training program or one training group or one piece of paper a week in terms of training? How, how can you use that as a launching pad or launching point to, to again, personally transform individuals and, and groups just with a common goal and, and a shared enthusiasm and love for, for sport and excellence?
1: What's in a culture?
0: With all this talk of culture, what do the
1: athletes think of the culture? How has it shaped them? I'm Gregory McNeil, uh,
2: hurdler, sprinter, sprinter, hurdler, however you want, however you want to cut it. Um, University of Guelph, current Speed River athlete. Um, some of my credentials, uh, I was two-time u Sport, CIS 60 meter hurdle champion, um, 2015 member of Team Canada, Pan Am Games, 400 meter hurdles. Right away you kind of realize it's very high performance driven, uh, you have a lot of people who care a lot about the program, are very high energy, like Jason's very high energy and Dave, you know, they work very well together in kind of the, we call it the top down culture presence. What well, that just means everyone from the top of the organization they set a mandate they said okay we're gonna do this well we want to be very high performance driven we're gonna do X Y and Z to, to get there and from day one if you don't bring it if you don't come to practice with the need and the want to be successful in track but also every, every other part of your life then um, there's, that's, that's part of the culture so either accept it or you don't accept it I will say the one thing that made golf special this year or different is the depth we had very elite depth in all the sprinting events and hurdles events and whatever, and I think just knowing coming to practice every single day that you're gonna be pushed and you're gonna be trained with the best collegiate sprinters in the country in at your school, in your one location training training facility is huge, right? Like, you look at our 60 meter guys. We had, I don't know exactly, I think it was four or five guys at one point ranked in the top 12, top 16 in the country. You're not gonna find that anywhere else. So just knowing that you're training alongside the best collegiate sprinters in Canada and racing with them, it kind of pushes you and makes you understand the little things in life. You kind of, if you have a bad practice or if, you have, if you're if you not taking care of yourself properly day in and day out, you're not gonna make that relay team. So it kind of pushes you to not necessarily just, obviously everyone trains hard, but understand how to do the little things that makes you a high performance athlete, whether it's sleep well, eat well, hydrate. Um, it just kind of brings a overall, high meaning of high performance day in and day out.
3: So my name's Sarah Hammond, um, I'm a 60 meter hurdler indoor but 100 meter hurdler outdoor. Um, I'm one of the captains of the team, co-captains of the varsity team. Easy to have fun and to produce some of the athletes we do and the results that we do. When everyone's m- motivated towards the same goal, everyone has the same passion, we're all here for the same reason. Um, but yeah, every it's just a bunch of great people, passionate. I mean, I don't want to throw the word out family, but like, this is these are the people I see every day for four hours so um, I'm kind of one of those athletes too that came in and kind of we starting to become a developed varsity athlete and then you realize maybe you could go a little bit further running you kind of get motivated you want to win you start to realize what it does to take what it takes to win and then you transition into outdoor and then yeah I guess just being around the people we have and what we already have established for Speed River. You see all these other athletes traveling internationally and competing at all these diamond leagues and everything. And it's just motivating in itself. Um, And I think I've seen a lot every year we have more and more athletes transition
4: from indoor varsity to outdoor. Um, And yeah, I think it's just been growing. My name is Ashlyn, Ashlyn Vest. I'm one of the younger athletes um, with Jason and Speed River. Um, I'm still in high school, last year of high school, and through my um, kind of grade 10, um, through up until now, I've got to travel to some really cool places because of Speed River and because of the track that they have, they've provided, basically. Um, in grade 10, I went to um, World Youth, which was in Columbia. So that was an amazing experience that really like, brought in my like, aspect into the track world and what I could possibly do in it. And then last summer I went to Poland for Junior Worlds and once again another amazing experience that has really opened up um, kind of this whole new world that I really wasn't aware of before. So yeah, overall the culture as a young athlete is important just because I've been growing since grade 9, since I was 14, I've been part of Speed River. so. The culture in general has helped me develop to who I am today as an athlete and a person and being surrounded by such a positive passionate motivated kind of culture that not only is focused on um, the athletics um, aspects of it but also growing as a person that overall being surrounded by such a positive culture has made athletics so much more enjoyable no matter if they're allowed an outgoing personality, or is it, or if it's in training and the techniques that they have, everyone has their own um, piece and small bit to them that contribute to my development. As yeah,
1: sprinters are some of the most colorful, over-the-top athletes out there. Proof of that is the antics that follow any high-profile race. Bolt comes to mind, Gatlin shushing the crowd at last year's World Champs. So, in an event group made up of characters like that. How do you harness that? Yeah,
0: good good question. I think, uh, yeah, sprinters do have a bit of a reputation for being uh, uh, free-spirited and, and very uh, interesting, I guess we can say. Um, and I guess if I'm perfectly honest, maybe one of the main reasons why I'm really good at managing large groups of them is I was one of those people. And, you know, I probably still am. I'm probably a, a bit of an interesting cat when it comes to that. And the things that drive me in, in different ways are Uh, are similar to what these athletes experience. And I I went through that personally. So, you know, first and foremost, I think athletic, personal, and social empathy for for who these people are is is big. And I think it's a big reason why I love to do what I do. Um, But to reference your point in terms of how you kind of manage these types of personalities, you know, I think back of our first team meeting with our group this year. And I think one of the first slides that I put up was a funky picture of you know a really goofy dude dancing or something and the headline was just like embrace you like do you do you embrace your funk like you know whatever whatever the modern uh uh way of phrasing that or vernacular is but you know bring you uh, and, and be very proud of who you are and and embrace your funk embrace your your creative elements and, and who you are as a person uh, you know because in the end your training group a good one is is like a big family and, and again a a bit of a maybe cheesy term, but what I mean by that is it's not always a loving, perfect, unified bond of, of of people that are pursuing the same thing. It's it's actually not that at all. It's, you know, you have a family and, you know, you, you love everyone, but, you know, God forbid, you've got a few crazy uncles and, you know, grandma, when she comes to dinners, you know, sometimes, she, you know, she says some crazy stuff and you don't necessarily always see eye to eye. And, you know, you argue with your dad or your mom and, and, you, you know, you have different thoughts or different opinions, but in the end, you appreciate all of those differences and you appreciate all the personal uh, qualities that everyone has as much as you might not always uh, share them. Uh, and I think that's critical to understand in, in terms of building a team and, and a culture is that what we're, what, we're not, what we're trying to not do is say, you all have to be the same. You all have to put the same socks, shoes, shorts, and, and jerseys and pinny on every single day and represent this entity that is the University of Guelph, in this case, or Speed River. It's actually taking a really eclectic, diverse population with an incredible variety of personalities and saying, what, what kind of incredible stew can we cook up by stirring all that together and embracing all those different unique ingredients and, and saying, you know, if we create an environment that's safe for all of you people to come and be you and be successful and be happy, and, and share ideas and compete I mean for me that's that's what cultivates enjoyment it, it what it's what cultivates a shared enthusiasm for what you're doing it, it's not just track in this case we're talking about track but I think that's just that's culture and anything business sport life uh, family friendships relationships I think if, if you if you allow people to just be so confident and comfortable in their skin and who they are and know that they're embraced for that I mean once you're comfortable and, and once you're enthusiastic and, and you have that rapport in a group, I mean, it's amazing what you can do.
1: When I was at the track, a lot of athletes were speaking of a culture of excellence as a common theme. I had to know, what does that mean to the coach?
0: Culture of excellence. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's there's a there's a lot of, I mean, we're, we're, we're throwing around the word culture and it, it almost feels like it's becoming a buzzword Um you know, what is culture? How do you build culture? I mean, truthfully, I don't even know if I'm the guy to talk about it. At, Cause for me, building it has just been this constant process and, and here we are. And I don't know if it's fully formed. I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know where we're at in kind of the continuum of here to there or where we want to go. But uh, what I do know is that success to me is, is, is really multifaceted. You have like physical, psychological, emotional, and social factors that all kind of have an interplay in terms of how you can be successful. And so I, I think, you know, kind of going back to what I previously said, I, I think it's really important that right away you set a tone for, you know, the accountability of the group, the enjoyment of the group, you know, the why we're there, not necessarily what we're doing there getting people to to buy in and emotionally engage and share enthusiasm for what you're doing Um, not necessarily telling them what they're doing all the time but sharing the experience of why they're doing it i I think i think for me like again i don't know if i'm directly answering the question but i i don't know if i have an answer i just i just have a bunch of wild experiences and a, a true love and engagement for what i do and the people that i work with that i think over time you know, sharing in those experiences and and being so involved uh, with so many people and so many different student athletes and different coaches and whatnot, I think what that breeds is uh, just a, a purpose, a purpose that everyone has, and that's what's shared. And and the the interpretation of the dance is always a little bit different for everybody, uh, everyone in the group, athletes, coaches, and whatnot. But we all have a shared purpose uh, in that you know not necessarily a goal time or a goal achievement like yeah we want to win national championships and we want to do all this stuff but it turns out when you win them it's it doesn't give you the same juice that you thought it would right and uh, it's never enough. Like I always think about this. No matter what you want to accomplish, when you accomplish it, it won't be enough anymore. It's always going to be the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So that can't be the ultimate purpose. It can't be driven solely on empirical results. I mean, I get that we're in high-performance sport and we need to produce them, but you know, for me, that's a byproduct of of everyone having a purpose and and a commitment to seeing just how good they can be at something or a task and and not only that but seeing how much fun they can have pursuing the absolute most in themselves and for me like I think that's that's what you take from this for the rest of your life is an undying desire to be successful and to find things that you love and and find people that you love spending time around and just do great things and You know, I I think I get to work with a lot of people that are going to be or are already very, very successful. And at the very least, you know, when I crash and burn, maybe some of these people will, you know, pick me up and, you know, maybe I can uh, maybe they'll be the ones that, you know, kind of keep me on my feet eventually. But boy, do I get a cool experience you know sharing that purpose and sharing that ideology and philosophy with with so many young people a
1: bit of a preface on this next question jason and i have had conversations in the past about skateboarding and how it relies on self-motivation and it's a peer-driven event not a whole lot of coaches jason was really into skateboarding years ago and i want to know how that background has snuck into what he does now
0: yeah it's that's a great question um and without boring people too much with my life story now that you say it absolutely i think our philosophy and our day-to-day hopefully what i've you know given a lot of people is that day-to-day passionate love and desire for you know what a lot of people call the grind is you know that's 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 who i am I'm, it's who i am it's you know it's a lot of that is driven by you know i you know s- single mom who you know, worked her ass off to, to help support, you know, a few kids. And, you know, again, not to get into, into too deeply, but, you know, those your upbringing, your experiences, your your life events, they define how you think and how you uh, behave and, and what drives you. And so I think absolutely, there's no way that I could avoid those things not driving who I am. Uh, the, the skateboarding piece is really funny, but it's actually critical to, to my story in that, you know, I was a kid that you know i i was involved in a sport that you could easily access and that you don't need to be registered you don't need to pay a lot of money for equipment or whatnot i just you, you have you know a bunch of your homies and you're going to be as good as you want to be and you're going to do it as much as you want to do it and you know that was something when i was young i i woke up with a fire in my belly you know I, as soon as i could you know get out get down to you know the park or whatever i'm, I'm there and i'm there as long as i can i'm there as long as my mom will let me be there that's what drove me. And, and it, was a, it was a sport. You know, Again, maybe not everyone would think of it as a sport, but for me, it was, it was at least a platform where I realized if I loved something and I wanted to do it really, really well, it was on me. like It was on me to figure out how good I could be. But at the same time, it was on me to find myself in an environment around mentors and, and positive figures that will really push me and help me develop as a young man. And also in that case, as a, as a, maybe a, a young athlete. And, but yeah, I, I, love, I love that in that sport. And that's what it what drove me to it. I, I love man, the daily grind. I love the little things that, you know, are, that are, seem small and inconsequential, but over thousands and thousands of reps or, or months and years of time, they aren't small. They're, 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 they're huge. They're defining. I think that's attention to detail and that love and appreciation for all those little things I think is maybe what you know makes me comfortable and confident now as a coach because that's what I do. I try to teach people that there are no little things.
1: So where does Jason see this whole thing heading?
0: Well, hopefully a lot of people running fast and, and you know hopefully a lot of people continuing to enjoy get degrees you know in terms of the university level get degrees and, and be successful. Um, you know, one of my biggest goals, again, is to, is to coach a population that calls me years in the future and tells me about all the cool things they're doing. And again, if I, if I, if I burn and crash, maybe, maybe they'll help me, you know, back to my feet. But um, yeah, just helping people be successful, successful in, in, this, in their sport, in, in their life, in their careers, in, in their relationships and being a part of that and, and, and feeling involved in so many people. Uh, in people's lives, uh, in terms of an athletic sense, I don't I don't really set goals like that anymore. Um, maybe like I used to. I I just think if we do the if we do the work, the right things are going to happen to us. And you know, if we if we if we build the right uh, culture and community within you know what we're doing, and we continue to push it and hold ourselves accountable, you know, the results and the athletes and in the accomplishments, they'll they'll be what they'll be. Uh, you know, Do I have a goal of having people you know, want to extend their career and pursue for their national team sport and whatnot? Absolutely. Uh, but that would be, again, a byproduct of over time just such a love and appreciation and joy for what they're doing that they want to do it a little bit longer. You know, but I recognize the, the job market for a professional track, track and field athlete is, is not great. So, you know, they're not going to do it in almost every case because it provides them with a a ton of monetary return. They're going to do it because they want to do it. And, you know, maybe they want to uh, let it take them around the world a little bit. You know, one of the coolest things, I think, now that we have so many people in our group making national teams is, you know, all the stories I get to hear and the experiences I get to hear about from these athletes traveling the world and not having to pay for it and meeting friends and, and in, in, in whatnot and you know all these people they're going to meet that might stand in their weddings later and you know all that that that's what sport gave them and you know i could have a small part in in that experience and a small part in that in that journey so you know that's my goal you know in, in terms of what i want to do in the future is i just i want to keep pushing that and i want to keep pushing uh, people to be successful and keep pushing the envelope and you know at, at second we get comfortable you know like we're winning championships, we have people on national teams, we're, we're, we're getting to that point now where, you know, which, which is exciting. And, you know, being able to to look at that and say, you know, we're proud of that, but we don't want to get comfortable. We want to keep trying to push our personal boundaries, our athletic boundaries, our, our social boundaries in, in terms of what we can develop and what we can do. And, and, and then in turn, return a lot of that energy down to new incoming student athletes that come in and say, you know, look at what we've been able to accomplish, you know, let us show you how you you can do the same thing. And, you know, let us show you how you can be so much better than maybe you ever envisioned or imagined. And maybe most importantly, let's let us show you how much fun you can have for somewhere between, you know, hopefully four years or or beyond for being a student athlete. And, you know, it's going to be pretty cool ride, man. What's next? We head back to the track to see
1: where the athletes see this thing going.
5: So uh, my name is Kyle Thompson. Maybe like we're not quite there, but I think we're, we're definitely on track. And I think as, as people are, are comfortable in one spot, they, they kind of stay in one spot for a little bit longer. I think with the distance group, there's been a tradition of a huge number of uh, collegiate athletes come and then, you know, a few of them, that are good they've they realized that the training's going well for them or something's going well for them here like the environment and and they they end up staying a little bit longer because they're hoping that they can continue improving and in a number of cases we can we can see that happening i just think the sprint program here has is, is relatively new um you know now jason has uh jason the speed coach here has has a pretty broad age level and performance level of athlete here and so I think you're, you're gonna start to see some people hanging out a little bit longer or, or coming back after going away or, or I think you'll kind of see like a shift to what you see on the distance side
2: now now the the challenge is how do we get that depth from the collegiate scene to the Speed River national outdoor international scene right I mean Speed River distance you got studs on studs on studs that performed at the international level many years so I guess now the challenge is how do we carry that um, from the collegiate scene to the international scene and I think the base is there I mean Jason does a phenomenal job of, of kind of trying to bridge that gap he's, he's high energy 12 months a year his long-term focus is you put as many kids on national teams your collegiate team will be successful just by a product of that right so it'll come it'll come and I think they're off to a great start and and Dave, I mean, one of the first times I met Dave, he was—he uh, made it very clear to me that Speed River was not just about high performance this running; it's about high performance track and field, whether that's sprinting, pole vaulting, long jump, triple jump, whatever. Dave is all about high performance track and field, and as a byproduct, of, uh, I think the sprints—it's only a matter of time before you see many Speed River people on uh, international teams.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Something in the Water. For more great podcasts and track news, humor, and opinion pieces go to SidiousMag.com. You can also find those guys on social media at SidiousMag on Instagram and Twitter, and they're on Facebook as well. To find the programs in the series, Speed River and University of Guelph Track and Field, just type their names into the search bar. They're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I've been Michael Rokas. You can follow what I do, at the Terminal Mile, on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and be sure to be back next week for another episode.